to Avatar, The Last Korra. I'm Hana. And I'm David. Uh, <laughs> and today we're talking about, we got a little bonus episode for you. Um, we're going to be talking about M. Night Shyamalan's fa- uh, amazing cinematic disaster, His disaster The Last piece. Airbender. It's a disaster piece. Yes, absolutely. Um, and so we've been pronouncing our names a little differently to be more authentic yeah. to our pronunciation origins. <laughs> we don't want to be, you know, colonizers. We want to be authentic, uh, just like M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, because um, that's what this movie really just knocks it out of the park with, is authenticity. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I mean, he, he, here's the thing, is that, like, it is kind of a movie of, of contradictions. Um, yeah. That... The idea behind the film was that to make it like as diverse as possible, but it ends up with these white leads. Um, I, I mean, is it the goal to make it diverse as possible? Well, I, I can give you like some some quotes from the director okay. to kind of like give you an idea. Um, you know, here here's M Night Shyamalan talking about Avatar being like an anime, and he's like, anime is an art form where facial features are ambiguous and mixed. Uh, Noah Ringer, who plays uh, Ong, looks identical to Ong. Uh, people would tell him that he was the character. Uh-huh. Um, that's not his friends being racist, says M. Night Shyamalan. That's the way he was drawn. There is no Inuit woman in the world that looks like uh, Katara. Oh my god. No one. But Katara looks identical to my daughter, oh referring my to his... Yeah, his younger daughter who he saw dressing up as Katara, which is what gave him the inspiration to do this uh, this movie. So obviously important to him on some level is the idea of being able to see, uh, you know, brown skin characters, uh, more brown skin characters than are in a typical, uh, you know, uh, Hollywood blockbuster. Right. But, but he somehow botches it we still can't so get, badly. We still can't get. Well, it's really it's the like all the speaking characters are played by young white actors, uh, and, and and all of Dave. the non-speaking characters, and all the villains or antiheroes um, are are played by people of color. Yeah. Um. So it is very bizarre watching like any scene in in one of the water tribes where there's just like one white dude. Uh, doing a speaking part and then surrounded by nothing but uh, Inuit or Inuit-looking, like Asian, semi-authentic people. Yeah. people, Asian people for sure. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's difficult, and so like I think race, you know, whitewashing is is the most significant like contribution of this film is that everyone had another thing to talk about uh, whitewashing. Right. With. Right. Um, um, any, any other thoughts before we jump right into how this movie is shot, how it's I, made? I, I do want to make the note, you know, cause like lots of people give this movie flack for cutting out a ton of stuff from the show. However, like we do have to acknowledge that it's a huge challenge to try to cut down like a full season of a television show into like a two hour movie. Um, well, two-hour movie, maybe it's it's doable. I mean, the original script apparently was, like, seven hours long before they were trying to, like, cut it down. Yeah. And then once they had the shooting script, that was two hours. And then They've they got to I think it's the like, end of shooting. 
Well, it was in post-production mm-hmm. that they had this decision where, um, you know, Avatar had just come out, so they changed the title to The Last oh, Airbender. I know. Um, and Avatar was a huge success because of its marketing of its 3D technology. Mm-hmm. And so all a bunch of movies were doing uh, post-production 3D conversions to try and get some of that... Uh, the Avatar you know, dough. Some of that buzz. The Avatar dough. Um, so in order to rush out this conversion, they decided that they would cut out uh, 30 minutes, almost like entirely like effect shots and you know, things that would take a long time to render in 3D. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really what causes the, the sense that it's really a cramped movie, a rushed movie. Yeah. A, a movie with a lot of missing parts. It, and, like, the fascinating thing, like, we'll talk more in depth um, about this as we sort of go through the movie, but the fascinating thing to me is the idea that, like, they left out some, like, really key character moments from the show in right. to to replace them with just, like, these nonsense scenes that go nowhere. Of exposition. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, like, scenes of exposition or scenes uh, where it's just, like, why, what, what is this scene, per- like, why does this have a purpose? Like, why do we need to see, you know, this versus something else that might have developed okay, a character Okay, I'm interested more. in that because I felt like almost every scene was like just so filled with exposition that you couldn't cut anything more to cut it anymore would just make it a totally unwatchable uh right like mess. here's the thing i'm not saying that cutting more is the solution to fixing it because you couldn't cut more without adding right. something but why back was this in. in the script right but like why was saying? this the thing that we decided was important instead of something else that again would have organically delivered exposition or, um, you know, develop the characters at all. Because the characters are cardboard cutouts there to be moved along by the plot. Um, Also, just to introduce our relationship with this movie, I I did not see this movie when it came out. Me either. Um, I remember when it was announced, uh, which I think was close to the end of book three uh, being released, sort of right around when the finale was happening. Yes. Um... I, I was immediately like, M. Night Shyamalan, you could make the greatest adaptation of all time and we would still nitpick this to death. It's just so... This is an impossible task to convert right. something so, like, full of joy and so youthful and, you know, animated right. and convert it to a gritty live-action reboot. And you remember what things were like in the 2010s. Oh, like, was everything all, was dark. Yeah, it was all gritty live-action reboots. <laughs> like, that's I mean, all was, everything was. It was so frustrating, and, like, that this would be another in a long list. Like, you know, it couldn't even really be a kid's movie. It would just be, like, another YA adaptation, like, I don't know, Golden Compass or something. Yeah. It was, like, the best it could aspire to be, <laughs> you know. Uh, uh, but uh, but even then, I think it, it fails, oh, this yeah. film. Oh, uh, yeah. For, for sure. So, do you want to just jump right in? Uh, yeah. How, how, how do we start? Avatar, or not Avatar, uh, I think the last we, Airbender. I think we start right at the beginning. It, it opens with some special Nickelodeon logos. <laughs> um, so they were clearly trying to make this like the the tentpole of Nickelodeon pictures, which right. now does not exist. really exist very much. <laughs> um, and they recreated the opening shots with the, you know, the different bending styles almost like identically. Um, and I think, you know, it was kind of impressive how, how that the attention to detail there 
that they were yes, going to recreate the title sequence. But it's it's I, I think at least for me this is where we see the first like cracks mm. of yeah. the animation of these these bending moves um, and these different martial arts styles. They are so fluid and like. Um, right. You know, I mean, like what it in reminds me of the most. What it reminds me of the most is the the Full Metal Alchemist movie. Yeah, if, if anybody saw that. Oh God. Um, the movements don't really translate to live action super well. Um, it might have been better for them to just kind of try and re choreograph things to flow in their own their own martial arts style. Right. You know, still with the same you know delineation of. You know, Tai Chi for water bending and whatever the other styles were for the other types of, of bending. Right. Sorry. Um, but, you know, if they had put their own spin on it and maybe not have to do exactly what we saw in, in the intro. And, uh, and also, of the medium. you know, so not only that, I don't feel like the movements correspond as well to to what bending is actually happening, you know. Like the the special right. it's not effects, as fluid, that connection. yeah, the special effects look just like special effects, you know, like they don't look like something that is actually this this character is having an effect on, you know. Right, and it's not that they could have done better. I mean, ILM, who is doing the the effects work, uh, you know, I think they did a decent job with the water effects and the earth effects and and the air. Uh, eh. <laughs> I, I don't know. I th I thought that I thought that it was decent enough for what was possible at the time. It's just I mean, it, it's impossible to make it not look like CGI. I, I feel you know, like that's what we were talking about in the Uncanny Valley episode. I feel like that's an such an excuse though, because like Avatar had come out well before this had in theaters. Well, okay, but th this movie has the budget of, like, a Thor, not, like, an Avatar. And, sure. And additionally, Avatar doesn't even look that great today. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, it's like, I, I, I don't think that we can really criticize them for being doing bad special effects. It's just bad editing, bad 3D conversion, yeah. bad everything else. I mean, I, I would say, like, the textures on everything and, um, like, the way they move yeah, are not what I mean. bad. It's just they don't actually correspond to what the human characters are doing. And, like, that just, like, It's, it's not shatters. as fluid as, as what's possible in 2D animation. Yeah, it, I, just, it, I just think it's not possible to do 3D animation to look the same as what traditional, you know, actual cell animation looks like. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like they could have done better than they did, is, is my thought. Okay. Um, so the next thing that we see is, is a text crawl, um, but it's just, like, Katara is also reading everything that's on screen, so it just makes you think, like, well, if you're gonna do it in voiceover, why not just shoot something as well? Yeah. To show... Because, like, you're... It, it, it's not like, It you doesn't know, make any sense. It's like having subtitles, but no, nothing that they're subtitling. Right. Uh, you know, but anyway, in the in that text crawl, we get a bunch of exposition, but it's all done very bizarrely. Um, M. Night Shyamalan, if you ask him about this, he describes it as like his 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 dialogue has like an accent, so sometimes people don't like his dialogue. <laughs> um, but it's I call not it even, just bad dialogue. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not even. Th that it's, like, bad dialogue, because it's not even dialogue. It's just exposition, you know? Like, it's just, like, 
a voiceover and then words and it's right i mean it's a monologue but it's still supposed to be coming from a character in some sense uh it's supposed to be motivated and it's not supposed to be like great respect was afforded to all those that could bend their natural element (laughs) right like very stilted not how a teenage girl would talk or describe the world right um i don't know it's Uh, it's not great Right. And then we um, the, the we first open thing, on them. Yeah, we open on Katara uh, bending water, but we see the water first. So it is very effects first kind of movie. Um, <laughs> kind of, yeah. Like in a li- like literally. Um and the water's like dripping everywhere, but it's it's not like it doesn't seem like there's any limit to how much water is dripping off of it. Yeah, like it doesn't it get any like smaller. A, yeah, it almost feels like misrendered because it's like the water is moving and like what seems to be the entire mass of the water is falling out of it. Right, but then, then it doesn't. Right, and then it drops off the bottom of the screen and Sokka's head pops, pops up, up and he's wet. <laughs> but like, you can barely even tell that he's wet, you know? Like, it's just, it's so. Well, because he's literally wet. With actual water, no. which doesn't look the same as animated water. No, I I know, but I'm saying like this is such an ineffective filmmaking choice. Right. Uh, the, the, I just this first scene is like really I struggle with just how bad the acting is. Um, yeah. Or or maybe it's the choreography or something is is off because Katara is like I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then, like, uh, Sokka is just, like, charging at her, but there's no, like, momentum to that movement. Because right. Because once he gets there, he just, like, grabs her wrists. <laughs> and you don't know what he's going to do. Right. I was like, what is, is he going to, like, smack her? Like, right. what is going to happen? Like, you, you get, like, absolutely no uh context for who these two characters are until she said I could control it better when I think about mom which okay sure fine right. but it even doesn't come back in any way doesn't come <laughs> just, back like just totally her, her learning to be a better waterbender doesn't even come back uh you know she is just sort of suddenly better at the end because mm-hmm. we don't have time to do episodes like the waterbending scroll or you know, these things where we actually see her progressing. Um, Yeah. It's more like, you know, just she's bad at the beginning and then good at the end. (laughs) Right. Um, And Saga is not, like, cracking jokes or, or, you know, being wise. He, He really is, you know, as all other reviews of this have shown, he's a really humorless kind of, terrible character yeah who who serves no purpose absolutely zero purpose um fully agree (laughs) let's see uh there's more narrative exposition done through voiceover there's a war the dad is gone he doesn't come up he's not relevant to the story uh the war is just a Thing that you can describe. It's not like right, something we, that we learn about as it's by seeing its effects. We, we just we never see the war, war at all. No, <laughs> until you know the final scene where there's an invasion. Right, but uh, that's it. You know. Uh, unfortunately, my brother isn't the best hunter in the world. We sometimes go hunting for food because food is scarce. We have to explain everything that we're doing. Right, and we have to explain 
all the backstory. Nothing is shown visually. Yeah. It, Very frustrating. I, I feel like it would almost be better... Like, like, I understand that it's just, like, this exposition, but I almost feel like it would be so much better if you even just removed Katara's voiceover, you know? Right, but, but then you would lose that they were bad hunters. But, like, why does I, that matter? It doesn't matter. I have no, I have no like, idea. Like, this is what I'm saying. Like, um, why is the scene of Sokka being a bad hunter in there instead of, like, Katara getting mad at, like, sexist comments? You know, where's my sexism in a kid's show? I guess they thought that it wouldn't track uh, for audiences. <laughs> they like, don't why like... are they out here? Why are they out here in a boat? I guess they thought. Because you know? they're fucking Inuit. Like, what do you want? Right. Well, he's fishing in that one, and this one he's hunting, but he's bad at it. Yeah. Then they uh, comedy. They see glowing under the ice. Yeah, and it just kind of pops up. It's not, like, caused by Katara's waterbending in this version, which no. I guess is fine. Though... Um, and then... Yeah, go ahead. And then Katara is, like, about to, um, about to, like, hit the sphere, and Saga says, Katara, do not hit that sphere. And then she does. And it, this is one of the great uh, unintentionally funny moments when she hits it and just gets, like, rocketed backwards instantly. I mean, maybe that's supposed to be funny. Maybe it, it is. It's really silly. It's, oh, it's so funny, though. Like, it's that's just a bizarrely thing. cartoony visual for what is otherwise, you know, a pretty grounded visually film. Right, like, that's what I don't understand about the film, is there are moments in it where I'm like, is this intentionally funny, or is this just funny <laughs> because someone made a wild choice, you know? Right. Um, another thing with, like, the blocking is that when Katara grabs Sokka's boomerang to hit the ice with, mm -hmm. Sokka kind of, like, reaches his hand back to put it away, but he doesn't really put it away, he just kind of hands it to Katara. Right! <laughs> <laughs> I love when she just, like, yoink, grabs it, and then runs at the the sphere. Yeah. Um, I also like it when Aang, or sorry, Ong, we should start using the, the cor correct pronunciations oh. for the movie. Okay. Ong uh, is just, like, laying there, kind of half-conscious, and Katara, or what is it? <laughs> no, I think they just call her Katara for the most part, don't Katara, they? Katara uh, is like, you know, what's your name? Who are you? And then it just, like, cuts to Sokka getting, Soka getting his face smashed in by, uh, by Appa's tail. Yeah. And then it cuts back to the village. So, like... <laughs> We never see any resolution to that. I'm guessing there was some, like, awkward comedy there that was cut out to, you know, as part of that 30 minutes that was cut out of the movie. To trim it down, yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, the name thing, we'll come back to that in a little bit, because yeah. that just gets wilder it's, and wilder. It's um, like, then, then there's the yeah. infamous uh, hut scene that, you know, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure if you've ever watched a review of this movie, this is the scene that everyone points to as just, like, all of the most baffling, like, character choices and, like, directing choices of this whole movie. Yeah, it's, like, even the establishing shot is, like, wrong. Yeah. It's, like, we, we've cut to, like, this Inuit village, and you see a bunch of, you know, Inuit people, like, pointing at something off screen. Right. We have no idea what that is. I guess maybe it was at them arriving, or maybe it was at the the Fire Nation ships in the distance. We don't or know. Or Appa, like, question Maybe mark. it was Appa, but we can't see it. And then it cuts into a tent, which we have no idea where that tent is. 
and it's just shirtless on, <laughs> and he's fully awake, and he's chipper, and it seems like he's been awake for a really long time. Right, and instead of asking, like, his name or anything, Katara just immediately is like, how did you get out there? <laughs> and then in the most, right, like, yeah. blasé voice possible, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I just ran away from home, it's fine, like... It wasn't very smart, I was just <laughs> upset. <laughs> I'm fine now. Which, like, clearly is, like, M. Night Shyamalan's takeaway from watching these first few episodes where he was like, oh, yeah, that wasn't smart. Like, he should really acknowledge that, you know? And then just, like, puts it into dialogue. No, I mean, like, Aang, you know, in the cartoon, he's not, you know... In those first episodes, he is very chipper, and he's kind of right. not thinking about like how how bad it was. So he his explanation for running away has to be just like, eh, I was just being stupid, <laughs> because he doesn't have time to explain that it was like caused by the trauma of whatever. We'll get into it. Yeah. Um, but I don't know the the weirdest thing is just like the editing and the shot composition in this one because like. Yeah. You know, Aang's face is, like, giant in the screen. Or, sorry, Katara's face is, like, giant in the screen. And Aang's is, like, really tiny and far away. And they keep cutting back and forth. And all the dialogue is on whoever's not speaking in right. the scene. <laughs> like, like, it'll be Katara speaking off screen while we're looking at Aang. And then Ong. switch. <laughs> Ong. And then switch. Uh, so I don't know what, you know, did they just have to replace all the dialogue because it wasn't working? I don't know. Like, because we focus groups, I don't know. Because we do see some, there, like, there are, like, one or two shots in there where whoever is speaking is on camera, but it's, it's definitely more of what you were describing. Um, and then it ends in the wildest way possible. (laughs) Right, he just reaches over to grab his staff, but then... It cuts away before we see why he's grabbing his staff right, or, or what even, he's doing. It just like, cuts to boats. Right, it's like cuts mid-action to boats for no reason. Like, it, right, well, you're supposed to cut on action. That's one of the rules of continuity <laughs> filmmaking. Right, but, but like it's got to be matching mean, action, you know? And like the action yeah. is supposed to mean something. Like this is nothing. Exactly. <laughs> this is like someone forgot to yell cut and he's just like, should I uh, do the thing with the, the staff now? This is um, the first time that we get mention of the Fire Nation and their machines. Yes, can we talk about this? Because this is... I don't understand this choice at all. Well, they were like, well, they wouldn't have a word for, like, you know... uh, Tanks? You know, a... a, a, Well, they don't show any tanks, is the other thing. (laughs) But they they wouldn't have a word for, like, whatever these giant metal boats are, because the only boats that they know are their canoes... Right. Um, so I guess they just called them their machines. But like they, the fire. I think they would is, probably just call them their ships. Yeah, they're just big ships. Like they're big boats. You know. <laughs> like it doesn't make any any sense. Their machines, the Fire Nation, and their machines. Because I guess we're trying to situate them as you know opposed to the more natural world you know they're in a they're an abomination to nature right with their machines <laughs> and they they um, uh don't they're not in touch with the spirit world and the, right. the spiritual aspects of nature and the elements and what have yeah. you i mean that was that was a big part of what m night Shyamalan 
liked uh, about the the you know the source material was how spiritual it was and how you know we can finally make you know a a trilogy of blockbuster films that's about more than just you know beating the bad guys right which is true i mean that's what the show was for a lot of people but uh the movie is just kind of giving lip service to it right because we never really see the fire nation like, destroying nature the way we do in the series. You know, we never see them... Like, like the worst we see them yeah. do is, like, ha- like put some earthbenders in an earth jail <laughs> that they right. could have break- broken out of at any time and then, like, attack the Northern Water Tribe. Like, that is... And, like, make fun of Zuko. Like, that's all we see the Fire Nation do. Like, they're not a particularly intimidating right. threat ever. <laughs> I, I agree. Um, so, they show up, and, and Zuko, played by Dev Patel, who I think does a decent enough yeah. performance. There's a lot of angst, certainly, <laughs> which is true to the character. Very Zuko. I, th- I mean, I think of anyone in this film, he definitely turns in the best performance. Um, I, I actually think that uh, the character, pl- the actor playing Eero is, mm. is a little bit better. I think that he gives a very, just, you know, sort of wise... Uh, yeah, but his character just has, like, nothing to do most of the time. And, like, what he does have to do is just so bizarre. Uh, but I, I would agree that the actor does a decent enough job with what he's given. Which, again, is not yeah, a lot. The, just just to give props, uh, the, the actor's name is uh, Sean Tobe, or, or Tube, I think it's Tobe. Um, but uh, you may know him also from uh, uh, Homeland. Oh, so God. I think the idea that, like, a lot of these actors, they basically always have to play villains. Right. Uh, often, like, terrorists. Um, and the fact that they're finally given, like, a place where, you know, he can be, like, a wise mentor, a kind of Yoda figure, uh, which is in M. Night Shyamalan's words, I think there is something to the idea that M. Night had good intentions with yeah. casting. It just, it just really comes across as unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so Zuko shows up and he's like, uh, bring me your elderly or I'll burn this village to the ground. Mm-hmm. The village is made of ice. Yeah. It doesn't really burn. Well, you could certainly melt it. Yeah, but he doesn't say I'll melt this village <laughs> to the ground. Yeah, because that's way goofier. <laughs> right. We get a couple <laughs> of shots of just like random guards. Like, this is what I'm talking about, though when it comes to some of the special effects, is that when they are used, I feel like they're a little bit lacking. And then so often they are not used at all. You know, like these guards that come in, none of them are firebenders. They're all just carrying like these like spears um, and they just run around goofily in packs of four, like grabbing old people. Um, I don't know. It's just like, (laughs) this is not intimidating. Like, I don't know. This is not cool. Yeah. It's not great. It's just very um, underwhelming. <laughs> I guess what happens next is they they take Ong and they're like, you know, Zuko's like, what's your name? And he's like, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> so we still don't know his name in the movie. Even um, though, oh no, we don't know his name in the movie yet. That's right. Yeah, we've not heard it spoken aloud. Um, 
So Terrible. they just they take him, and then there's a long conversation between uh, Katara, Soka, and their their grandmother, um, who is also white, and just gives such nonsensical exposition. Yeah, I, I can't even. The, like, like it's so disjointed. It's not related to what the topic at hand is at all. There's no descriptiveness to it. It's just like there's a spirit world. Oh, also the spirits are watching over us, and also the war, and also responsibility, and also your father, and also my friend Hama, who was <laughs> captured by the fire fire nation. Look out for her in movie number three. <laughs> right when that comes out. Oh my god, so bad. Um. And so then I guess that's when uh, Iro gives Ang the Ang the Avatar test. Is that what happens? Yes, yes. Yeah. So meanwhile, on the the Fire Nation ship, well, it's it's weird because they capture him, and then Iro's like, "I'm going to give you a test," and Ang's like, "Why?" He's like, "It won't hurt, I promise." <laughs> and it's like, "I didn't know it would hurt. Why are you saying that? Now I'm nervous." <laughs> I wasn't thinking it would hurt. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> And so then they then they cut back and do the exposition, and then they cut back to do the actual test. Like they don't just give him the test when they first bring it up. There's a whole yeah. other scene in between that for no the, reason. Right. The macro editing, the you know, the back and forth, the cross cutting. Yeah. It's just so bizarre. It it truly seems like every directorial choice and like editorial choice in this movie was just like made independently of all of the other choices happening in the film. You know, like they just seem right. to come out of nowhere half the time. Well, it's not like I, it's not like I typically think of M night Shyamalan movies as being really poorly paced. Like they're typically pretty slow in the beginning and then they speed up near the end. Yeah. But like, this is just weirdly cross cutting between two unrelated scenes that don't right. need to be cross cut. Right. Um, yeah. But so they give him the test, and apparently what the Avatar test that only Iroh knows how to give. Like, Zuko can't hand him these things. It has to be Iroh, <laughs> I guess. Um, he he hands, he puts a candle in front of him, and the flame grows, like, slightly brighter. Just, like, barely No, I think more. it's supposed to be, like, it's, it's leaning towards him. Oh, is that what it is? I thought it was... Like it just like got bigger and but it was, it was only a little bit. The, the the flame, whatever the corona of the flame or whatever you call it, mm, is like tilted towards him. Towards okay, him. sure. Yeah, and then Again. the rock stands on it. Hold on, but like wildly subtle thing for like a yeah. like fire test to do. Like fire is a dramatic right. element. You would think that it would like burst into like mega flame or something, but whatever. The, yeah, the rock just stands up on its end, uh, and then the water no, just, No, but that like, should be, like, the only test you need. Like, the right. water kind of flowing, like, to one side of the table... No, no, it, is... forms, it forms a perfect circle, David. Oh, right, but yeah. I, like, I did... that kind of just happens normally. I know, I, like, made the joke, I was like, that's just surface tension. Like, that's just what water does. <laughs> well, yeah, but the real thing is the rock just kind of standing up on its end, uh... <laughs> If he can just do that by walking in a room, you know, yeah, he's probably the avatar. Right. And it's like, why are these specific, like, why does this not just happen to him all the time when he walks around places? You know, like, what? Like, I guess because he's not being given a test. <laughs> like, he has to be told it's a test. And then his, like, avatar spirit just starts infusing things around him. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. 
so when he finds out that they're going to take him prisoner, he's just like, no thank you, and he just leaves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a pretty common thing, is like, the threat of the Fire Nation is basically nothing. Yeah. They're non-existent. He just leaves. Yep. <laughs> just walks away. Uh, and then... He runs, but, like, it's not like, you know, Katara and Soka have to, like, swoop down and save him. Right. There's, like, no stakes to it. He just kind of bursts out of the ship and is like, uh, get out of here, firebenders, right. and blows him into a brick wall, and then just but opens also, his like, glider, which he still has for some reason, <laughs> they didn't take it from him, Almost. and he just leaves. <laughs> Almost no of, none of the firebenders, though, actually firebend at him. Like, it's all just, well, cause like, Because they, they can't create arts. fire from thin air. That's one of the rules. Yeah, but you would think then you would have just, like, fire pits going on your ship or something. If that's your, like, Probably. biggest, like, weapon. And we see them later when Zuko's, like, training with some people. Um, yeah. But, you know, again, this is what I'm saying. Like, there's just no... Any time that they can avoid having to pay for more special effects, they're like, okay, great, we'll just do some kung fu for a while and call it that. Right. Well, the kung fu... Well, I should say the martial arts. Yeah, the martial arts. Kung fu. But the, the martial arts is, like, you know, really well-performed for, you know... This being such a young kid. The oh, kid. the kid. Eh, he does fine. But, like, the adult actors seem... Like, there's just well, so much, like... they have to be more stilted because they're working with a kid. Right. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, I want to give as much props to this movie as I can because I do think it is truly terrible. Like, I want to be kind that uh, that Noah... Um, what's his name? You know, N Noah Ringer is a great martial artist. Not the greatest actor, but he, you know, he, he does incredibly with how much they demand of him for a movie of this size. Sure. As, like, his first acting role. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think he does fine with a lot of the martial arts. His acting is right. nothing. And then everyone's wearing armor, and they're, you know, they have to kind of hold back because it's a kid. But it's so... these, like, weird twirly, like, skirt, like, armor. So, like, it, it sometimes, instead of making the martial arts look cooler, it just sometimes, like, obscures what is actually happening. Yeah. Um, no, I, I agree with that. It's the, the costuming does not necessarily work with the choreography. Yeah, and and I, again, I think... That, the, that's sometimes a problem with these the, big productions. The choreography is, like, really stilted and super unnatural. And, like, you know, there are kung fu movies that that have been doing this better for decades in Hollywood and it just feels like oh, for sure wild and, and especially in especially not in Hollywood yeah. especially in you know Beijing and yeah. Hong Kong and you know in Asia other places <laughs> places that you know actually have uh, martial experts artists in this type of yeah. martial arts uh, who make movies specifically for people who love this kind of martial arts. Right, and it's um, just like there's so much just like random kicking and jumping and flipping that is just like purely for show but like right. does well, nothing. That's all fighting is for show. I, I know. I Yeah, that's true. But like it's really it's just so disappointing when in Avatar all of the movements and you know this is partly just because how animation works but like every movement was kind of important you know and it did something monumental and then here it's just like nothing but movement and it does nothing. Yeah. Alright. Um, so then we just kind of cut 
right to the air temple, right? Yeah. It's, there's he, a little interstitial where Katara is giving more voiceover exposition. But, like, she says Ong's name here, but then, like, directly in the scene after that, she's like, can I ask your name? And he's like, oh, the monks called me Ong. And it's like, so you didn't even know his name yet? But, like... What is happening? Wait, I don't think she does say she his does. name. She does. She just says all this other stuff where it's like, Ong told me that he ran away from the temple right, and that he fell into the ocean and that he froze himself and that he... Like, she says Ong's oh, name in the voiceover. Ong? Yeah. Wait, hold on. Let me just check this out real quick. It does, he, she, she, she did, did say, say Ong. Yeah. She did say Yeah, it. and it's just like, great, cool, whatever. Um, yeah, it's... Why are you like this movie? <laughs> you so didn't that, have Obviously, to be. that exposition was to replace a scene that got cut out at some sure, point. Sure, yeah. A scene which was probably also all exposition, mm-hmm. so I guess it's an improvement to make it voiceover instead, but it just, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, like, you can have... Um, yeah, anyway... So they're at the air temple. We finally know Ong's name. Um, yeah, which he says off screen. Yeah, no, no, no. He says it. He says it then again on screen. That's what I'm saying. He says it in the voice. She says it in the voiceover. No, no, no. He says it. He says it from. Oh off-screen. yes, the he monks says, called me Ong. The monks named me Ong. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the first time we hear it. Yeah. Which you'd think also the fact that we're pronouncing the names here differently than we pronounced it in the show yeah. would mean that you would want to introduce that as early as possible so people can get used to it. Right. The fans. You know, I I don't think it was necessarily a bad decision to make the names more authentic to Asian pronunciations. Like, this was a mistake that that, uh, Brian and Mike uh, made. You know, they didn't know the languages that well, so they just pronounced it the way that they thought it would be pronounced. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's okay to kind of make them more authentic to how things would be pronounced. It seems like, you know, uh, M. Night Shyamalan used a comparison to, uh, like, the fact that we call it Iraq instead of Iraq, mm-hmm. which is, you know, how they'll pronounce it. Right. So it kind of makes sense to me that he would want to correct that. But you would want to introduce that, like, in the first scene with each character, right. not, like, halfway through the movie. Yeah. It, it Again, it's wild that 18 minutes into the movie is when we hear... Ong's name said for the first time. Right. Like, that's um, that's your main character. What are you doing, movie? It's bad. Uh, so we find out what we normally find out at the Southern Air Temple. Uh, we Mark find Yatsu Momo. Is dead. There's Momo. Uh, he's a lemur that you can't touch. Yeah. But you know he's there. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's just terrible. If you touch like, him, you die. <laughs> so bad. Um, you find all the statues of the avatars. Or no, no, you don't find that until later. Nope, we don't get that until the Northern Air Temple. That's fine. Yeah. I think it's fine to rearrange some things like that. But, but, um, I do like the casting of Monkeyazzo. Uh. Do you? He, he, I I don't know. I think it's kind of interesting that, you know, if you're in a movie where you're clearly whitewashing the main cast, the least you could do is throw in, like, some kind of interesting casting choices. Like... All right, that's a good point. Like, I don't know. <laughs> and, like, clearly everyone else in that temple is, like, like a 
a monk, you know, like... Right. Like, I guess I just, I like the idea that, like, the monks were, you know, kind of racially diverse because they travel all over Right, the but then you can't just have one black guy, you know, like, that's yeah, the problem. one black guy, and then he, he's... He's dead and he doesn't have any lines. Yeah, no lines. All of his, like, lines, quote-unquote, are just, like, indistinct flashback talking. Uh, or All no, right, he gets, like, he gets one line where he's like, let your emotions flow through you like water. Uh, that's his one line. <laughs> that's it. And it, we don't even see him say it. Great. It's very dumb. Um, um, yeah, but Monkey so Yasuo's dead, Aang freaks out, Katara... Yeah. Just kinda... So Aang's in the, in the Avatar, the Avatar state. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like, weird to look at in, in live action. I, I will definitely say that. Yeah. I don't... And it also means that Aang gets sent into the spirit world. Which yes. in this version is like a blurry... <laughs> forest right cave, i mean like I which kind is all of get blue it. i don't hate it why is it so blurry it's very I blurry know. i agree i i think it's just supposed to be like it's mystical and ethereal and you know sort of otherworldly yeah it just doesn't work it's, and then we have this world. extreme close-up on a dragon head so close you cannot even tell what it is basically well that's the point right is that you're supposed to be kind of like it's mysterious. I don't know what this is, but like, it's like a dragon. And he doesn't really say anything. He just says hi. Yeah, he's like, go to a spiritual place uh, and we'll talk more. Right. That's it. No, I'm not going to tell you who I am. Yeah. He's supposed to like represent Roku, I guess, because he talks and the dragon doesn't talk. I guess. That's true, but... Or he's just a spirit, It's just maybe. a spirit, I think. Like, Roku doesn't really exist. Uh, right. You know, like... It's weird that in a show that wants to make... Or in a movie that wants to make things more authentic to, like, the origins of of the ideas, you know, that the, the Avatar... what The Avatar is reincarnated. That's the whole point, is it's based on this idea of reincarnation. But I guess that would be too too eastern for this i guess i don't know i truly don't know it's all like you know this movie is a classic i think example of trying to please too many audiences at once you know like trying to simplify this and make it accessible to people who never watched the show but then like the main audience for it is of course people who watched the show um, and then when you add in all of these like strange directorial uh, choices on acting and editing and framing and all this other stuff, you know, critics are not going to respond well to that. So it just leaves you with, who is this movie for? Why does it exist? For kids who have never seen the show and need to, you know, see something in 3D. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um. I, I will say, uh, a six-year-old I know recently watched this for the first time, and she seemed into it, so gotta give it up to the Great. six-year-olds. Um, <laughs> cut to our introduction to Admiral Zhao, yeah. uh, which, who is pronounced correctly, uh, played by Asif Manvi. Um, God, what a bad and, performance. Uh, oof. Uh, I just don't know what they're going for exactly, because, I mean, Zhao, of course, <laughs> is a kind of comedic figure right so getting a comedian who you know can also i mean maybe he's supposed to be but playing he's like, like a bureaucrat type but he's like uh, unintentionally funny 
You know, like, Zhao it does not crack jokes. Like, it's his overly seriousness that makes him comedic, you know, in the right. show. And so, yeah. you know, it's not like having someone who cracks a lot of jokes. Like, that, like they could have gotten, like, a comedian to play Iroh. Like, Iroh cracks jokes, you know. Iroh says yeah. goofy things. Um, in addition to There's being, a like, weird a mentor. Moment here. moment here. There's a weird moment here where Zhao is, like, bringing up that Zuko was wearing a Fire Nation uniform, yeah, which like, he's not allowed to do because he's banished. Exactly. Like, this is my question. Why did they include this scene where he just makes... Because they need to introduce Zhao. No, that's fine. But, like, why not do it the way the show does? The show did it perfectly serviceable and, like, pretty quickly. He pulls into port. His ship needs repair. Zhao's like, ah, oh, you're stupid. And then Zuko goes, hey, you are you may be a general, but I challenge you to a fight. And then they have a fight, and we figure well, things out. Well, there wasn't out. enough time for, or budget for a fight, so. Ugh. It's just, it's like, that's just what I'm saying, though. Like, why are we replacing, yeah. like, it's tough. The, yeah. the generally pretty economical way that Avatar deals with character introductions with these, like, bizarre... Like dinner, yeah, like dinner scenes right. where he just just like, ha ha, you're wearing a uniform, but you're a little baby, like a costume. <laughs> it's like okay. Also, another weird little editing thing is that uh, Zhao walks the entire way down a pathway and out of the room before it cuts. Yes, it's like if you're looking for things to cut, why are we not cutting here rather than just like leaving out entire. You know, like like transition moments. Like I just, right. it it truly is baffling. Ugh, what happens next? Um, next, we're in the Southern Earth Kingdom. Suddenly, how long did it take to get here? Why are we here? I'm really not sure. There's yeah. absolutely nothing transitional that gets us here, which is just that's a big issue. To like me. not even the voiceover, like the voiceover has pretty much dropped away at this point. And it's like, okay, yeah, cool. it's just, a, there's a text, you know, what, what do you call those when, uh, you know, a location, like, uh, yeah. Drop, I guess. Subtitle, I don't know. Whatever. A location drop. Yeah. And it's just, it says Southern earth kingdom. Yeah. Not a city, not a town, <laughs> just we're here. How long did it take? No one knows. Doesn't matter. Whatever. Um, and, and I don't mind the fact that they sort of, uh, combine like Kiyoshi and like Haru's story. Um, you know, I think like, like, I mean, you can't put in everything. Exactly. Exactly. And I think making them the same place doesn't really hurt anything. And, you know, services. Well, actually they shot a whole, um, uh, a, a whole Kyoshi Warriors sequence, yeah. um, and it was even featured on a poster. But it was one of the things that they decided to cut because you know the Kyoshi Warriors don't really come back in the first season; they come back in, in the book second. two. Yeah, so it's maybe better to introduce them there. It seemed like, but like you know, th- Shaman is- had a really solid idea for book two, and book two is a lot more Hollywood, I think, than right. book one because it's less, it's less, you know, full adventure of, uh, journey. Yeah, adventure journey stuff, and it's, you know, the the book one is just so fillerish. Yeah, and you don't know what to keep and what to cut. It's like all important character introduction stuff. But by book two, you already know all the characters. So yeah. you can just do plot stuff. Right. So I, I bet if they did a book two, it would probably not be as bad as this. But maybe, maybe who truly who knows? Um, truly who knows? Yeah. But in any case, no Kyoshi warriors. No, none of them. Um, 
Yeah, but they do mention Kiyoshi, and they say something very strange about Kiyoshi, where they're like, Kiyo- she loved games. She loved games and jokes, and just and Egg's like, me too, which is like the exact opposite of everything we know about Kiyoshi from the show. Right, but I don't know. Maybe she liked Pai Show. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's believable to me. I mean, but, like, sure, it's supposed but, like, to be. Why? This is introducing. The, you have to introduce a similarity between Ong and Kiyoshi because they're technically the same person because that's how reincarnation works. It's the same spirit, basically. Right. Whatever. They can't have different personalities, I guess. Whatever. Yeah, I don't know. So um, then we get the plot of imprisoned, but on land instead of sea, right? So it just makes a lot less sense. Also, like, the I, the character introduction is, you know, a child just runs up to Sokka, and he's like, what's this? He doesn't ask, who are you? What's wrong? He's just like, what's this? <laughs> and, like, looks to, like, left of camera. And then, of course, we see Fire Nation soldiers running out. Um, and here we do get this? A, a little bit of comedy uh, where the Fire Nation soldier is like, he was throwing pebbles at us. It kind of hurt. <laughs> <laughs> right. Firebender's like, not very threatening. Yeah. And, like, I, I was like... kid villains. I was like, yeah. okay, this is... This feels intentional, atten- intentionally funny. But, again, it does nothing to solve the problem of these villains don't feel very terrifying. Right. Um... You know, they do the, like, Katara accidentally freezing Sokka in ice from, you know, the the first episode of the, the yeah, cartoon. Yeah, but so, it's just, like... Still got a lot to learn. It's, like, so out of place and really weird because we don't really track Katara's arc at all through this. Arc. No. Like... it's There's just no time for it. There's no time course, for Sokka's arc either, Oh, for yeah. Sure. Yeah, there's no time for any of it. Um, but it's just, like... We get these weird, like, nods towards it, but then, right. like, like if you're going to do the adaptation, then do the adaptation. You know, like, have, maybe have Katara be, like, a pretty good bender from the beginning, you know, if we're not going to spend right. the time. Yeah, I wouldn't have a problem with exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. Like, have Sokka be a leader from the beginning, and then we just follow Ong's journey as, you know, he comes to terms with the, I'd the even Avatar. I'd be fine and... with, like, random additions that make no sense for the cartoon, but, like, what if when she's at the spirit world, the spiritual area, she, like, gets a vision of her mom or something, because that right. was something you introduced in the beginning. Like, or like maybe you're... you change it so that her relationship is all about Soka now, and they have some kind of, they need Issue. to build a sibling bond. Right, like, yeah. just write something. yeah. But no, if you're not gonna do it, what's in the show? Then write something. And instead, they just like try to do bits and pieces of the show, and it all turns into nothing in the end. It's nothing, yeah. Um, <laughs> Where are they we now? They sent their machines, huge machines made of metal. Yeah. We're back to the machines God. again. We still don't see any machines. Zero. <laughs> the only machines we have seen is the ships, and again, we have seen no negative consequences to these machines other than some people being captured. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, it's bad that they're in prison. Yeah. I, I kind of believe that maybe if you were imprisoned for earthbending and maybe they punish people who try to earthbend their way out, that maybe, you know, people would be discouraged enough to feel actually imprisoned there. Mm. 
but it's definitely not as good as putting them on a metal ship in the middle of the ocean where there's no rocks to bend. Right, right. And and it totally robs the characters of having to be clever. It They give, like, the inspiring speech to, to Ong, which, you know, I guess fine if he's the one we're focusing on. It's not on. a good speech. It's he's a like, bad speech. Earthbenders, why are you acting this way? <laughs> there's earth right beneath your feet. Which, I'm like, the Avatar. You... <laughs> I ran away, but I'm back now. <laughs> it's such a dumb speech, but, like, it works. Uh, and all the Earthbenders do some... Some okay Earthbending, and then just some, like, terrible Earthbending. Uh... Right. Well, okay, so there's the shot that everybody always points to as, like, this is the cardinal sin of this film. The, uh, the Earthbenders, there's, like, six of them. They're stomping on the ground. And we don't see any earthbending come out. And I'd like to say that everyone has been seeing that scene wrong. That those guys are not earthbending. They're just doing what all of the benders do in this movie, which is just stomp around and strike poses because they didn't have the budget to do more rocks. Right, exactly. No, but people know that. Like, that's what the critique is, okay, I I'm think. I'm just saying, it's not supposed to be that, like, all those people are bending that one rock that we see. They're not bending anything. Well, no. What? Oh, you know, it's like all the people stomp and then one rock floats across the screen. Yeah. But those group of people are not bending that rock. Oh, okay. It's just this one other guy who's bending that right, rock. Right, but like this the is what I'm saying. The thing that those benders bent was in the previous shot. Okay. Where they were bending the wall that came up That's, a second ago. Because yeah. you see the guy, he's like getting fire blasted at, and then a rock wall comes up to protect him. But I thought that was just his dad. And then it pans dad. over to show a bunch of people stomping around. Oh, really? I thought it was just his dad, uh, Haru's dad. It's, it's, you're confused because they did it twice. Okay. Yes. All right. So the first time, a rock wall comes up, it pans over, and it's his dad. Then another rock wall comes up, they pan over, and it's like six guys doing a little dance. Right. And then this other guy is like, you know, flex flexing his arms around, uh -huh. and he throws that one, one rock. rock. Okay. So i just like to say that it's still terrible. <laughs> it's not, it's not, they're, you're not describing what is actually happening. Right. The problem with all of the fight scenes in this movie, and all of the bending scenes in this movie, is that M. Night Shyamalan does them all as continuous tracking shots mm -hmm. so they're very slow and the camera's just kind of slightly moving even though there's a lot of different action set pieces going on on the same set right and but we, we're not cutting between any of them right and we never focus on one in particular or almost never right it's just sort of giving you like a broad sense that there is a fight occurring yeah and again and it's i know mostly why he did this too kicks and flips right it is mostly kicks and flips but I also know why M. Night Shyamalan thought that this was a good idea, which is because that's kind of how they shoot things in Hong Kong-style kung fu movies. Uh -huh. But, you know, but it doesn't work if it's all effects shots as right. well. And yeah. it also doesn't work if you have, like, 20 people fighting. It's supposed to be if there's, like, two people fighting, and you can really just in one shot see the whole fight taking place. Right. Instead, it's just, like, panning around all these different set pieces. It's it's awful. It's it's unwatchable fight sequences. Yeah. Ugh. It makes no sense. Um, God, that's my catchphrase in this review. Just, it makes no sense. <laughs> Yep. Uh, Katara shoves a guy and is like, leave him alone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's all she does in that fight. Yeah. Sokka does nothing. He, like, runs into the center of the fight and is like, uh, I guess we can fight now. Are you guys going to help us? 
and then <laughs> the fighting happens. Uh, yeah. And then at the end of the fighting, they win. Everyone just runs away. Yeah, they, they, the Fire Nation just runs, and, like, that's it. Uh, and then they like find... Like, a couple of them get blown around, and then they all just leave. Yeah. And, like, they don't get reinforcements or anything. Nope. And it cuts to, like, just a random street on, like, the village market. Yeah. And then we're, like, blowing the final two firebenders away. <laughs> right. And then... And it's like, how did we get here? <laughs> doesn't make any, any sense. Where's um, here? And so, then they find a, a little shed filled with... They just describe it as bending tools, but it's clearly just, like, yeah. books and, like, scrolls and stuff. Right, it's books about bending. I know, but, it, like, I would not describe those as tools, necessarily. You know, it just seems Whatever. like a restraint. I know it's a nitpick, Momo but... gets his only other scene in this movie. Yeah, he runs around uh, on the books, and then the waterbending scroll falls out, which, again, I think is fine. We don't need the pirates, um... You know, and Katara gets the waterbending scroll. And then we get a couple of, like, they're supposed to be training montages, I guess, where it's like, Ang and I practiced, or Ong and I practiced every day. He had some trouble with waterbending, though. Wait, you're skipping my favorite scene. Oh, which was your scene? What did I skip? I forgot. After we get this scroll, a random conversation just suddenly begins. Okay. And Soka's like, we should save other villages. There's tons of villages. And then it cuts to the most extreme close-up of Aang's face (laughs) in the entire film. And he's like, I need to tell you something. I ran away. (laughs) Before I was trained to be the Avatar. So I don't know how to do any of the other elements. And then, like, shouldn't they kind of know that by now? Since he can't... He's only used airbending up to this point. Right, and so they're like, well, we should go to the Northern Water Tribe because they have waterbenders there. Uh, and along the way, right. we can free it's all these villages. It's led by a princess because her father died. We can save the villages along the way and start a change in the war in these small villages. Oh my god. Like, all of Sokka's dialogue is just, like, weird planning exposition. Um, yeah, but it's like, it's it's just like, we, we've switched topics, like, three times in a random conversation yeah. that started for no reason. Like, there was no... It, it, this wasn't, like, coming off of the other scene, like, right. hey, a waterbending scroll. Aang, do you know how to waterbend? <laughs> Hi, oh, I don't, Katara. I ran away before, you know, uh, before I learned how to bend any of the other elements. Well, why don't you come with us up to the, the Northern Water Tribe? Uh, you know, we we know some people up there. We right. Can, we can teach you um, how, to, how to waterbend. And he's like, that's a great idea. Uh, but along the way, maybe we'll stumble across some villages that need saving. I don't know. At least that would be, like, the same information, but in the correct order. Right. Instead of, we should save other villages. I need to tell you something. Right. I don't know how to waterbend. That's okay. We'll go Where would you north. need to go to waterbend? Oh, I don't know. Maybe the North Pole? Uh, yeah, the North Pole has a princess. <laughs> also, let's save some villages. Insane. Just uh, insane. Yeah. Uh, that's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> That is, it's truly wild. Um, so, you know, we get to the, uh, to the, to the training montage. And, like, this, again, is, like, they've entirely cut out Katara's storyline, where, like, she is the one who is jealous of Aang, or Ong, uh, and... Yeah, and we see when Katara is practicing, there is absolutely no water moving. None. She's just dancing. It's just dancing. And same thing when the two of them are, like, moving together as well. Um, yep. There's no budget. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, in the Fire Nation, Asif Mamvi is talking to the Fire Lord. Um, Cliff something. Cliff. His name's Cliff. Yeah. Um, 
this is way worse casting than Asif Manvi. Yeah. Is basically what I wanted to say. Like, this guy, first of all, is the least threatening actor I've seen, period. Yeah. Like... <laughs> you need someone with, like, a strong jawline and, like, scary eyes. Like, you, you can't yeah. just get... I mean, like, part of it's the armor making making him look chubby. I don't think he's actually that chubby, but I don't his, think he's his jawline that chubby, is but very his, round. He's got a very round face. Like, you need someone yeah. with, like, a evil, bad guy, square jaw-looking face, you know? Right. And, you know, maybe somebody with a deep voice or, yeah. you know, something Intimidating about them at all. I don't know. Uh, but this is where we get introduced to the plan to kill the moon spirit, yeah. which is not something that has been brought up before. This is our first time hearing about it. And Joe's just like, I found these scrolls. In a library. We haven't translated them, but I think they might hold the key to killing the moon spirit. Uh, yeah. It's oh, dumb. God. So that goes nowhere, and I guess we're thinking, like, okay, if you kill the moon spirit, you can go to the North Pole. I guess they're trying to explain why they go to the North Pole in the first place. Right, instead of just being, like, we're... Because, like, that's the Chasing thing, the Avatar. Is, like, the... the they're, they're chasing the Avatar, but, like, they also, in, in this version, they're, like, they want to get rid of all the spirits or something, and... Like, like, mm, yeah. like their world domination plan is, like, less clearly world domination and, like, seems to be more like, like, fuck the spirits <laughs> a little bit, you know? And it's... it's I, we want to take control of the spirits. Right. perverting the nature yeah. of the world. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't um, know. It's, it's, it's just strange and muddled, you know? They're... The next thing we see is... Uh, Zuko and Iro in disguise and they're just sort of talking generally about like, hey, you know, you don't have to capture the Avatar. And he's like, this is why I have to capture the Avatar. Oh my god. And he just has like a little exchange with like this eight-year-old just sort of being like, hey, why why don't you tell the story? Yeah. (laughs) I'm sick of telling this one. You tell it. Yeah. He's like, do you know the story of the Fire Lord's son, the prince? And he's like, oh, yeah, he's that guy who got beat up by his mean dad. He's like, yep, you nailed it, kid. Get out of (laughs) here. And that's it. And that's why I can't go back to the Fire Nation. And Iroh, I can only imagine, ended that scene going, yeah, I I knew knew that. that. (laughs) I I was was there in the flashback. (laughs) This is one of the only flashbacks that we actually see visually, though. We don't see, um, you know, we don't see... Ong running away until much later, and we don't see him get frozen at all yeah. in the whole movie. Yeah. So that's weird. It's it's all very weird. Ong, we finally see his flashback, too, which, you know, we're seeing him running away from home. Yeah. And when he thinks about his dead family, that makes him a better water vendor. So that's what we're learning here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he... He, he finds out from looking at Sokka's maps that they're, yeah. like, close to the Northern Air Temple. And is like, can I just right. go there for, like, a day, please? And instead of being like, yeah, let's all go together, he just, like, leaves in the middle of the night again and kind of runs away yeah. to it. Um, and then he meets, instead of, uh, you know, the Northern Air Temple being, like, home to a bunch of people, 
he just meets this, like, one guy who's like, oh, I love uh, hanging out here and looking at the old ruins. Well, the the truth is yeah. that he's an Earth Kingdom spy. Yeah. Who is contracted by... I think he's supposed to be more like the old guy from Imprisoned. Remember yeah, a little bit. So he's like an informant for the government. Uh, and so he's like, these are the statues of the avatars. This is Roku. Sorry, you're going to jail. Yeah, like he pulls out a <laughs> knife and Ong is like, a knife. And it's like, you have magic air powers. Why are you scared of this knife? Um, plus, right. like, you so, know martial arts. Obviously, right. So obviously this is the blue spirit episode that's yeah. happening right yeah. now. Yeah, so he gets captured by a bunch of archers uh, and Zhao. Um, yeah. And, you know, he he's captured and Zhao's like, we won't kill you because you'll just regenerate. And then we'll have to search for you again, which is taken directly right. from, is from the, the show. Yeah. Um, um, but also, this is where we get another Roku dragon vision. Yeah. And the dragon is like, I've seen a vision of the moon turning red. Go to the Northern Water Tribe. And it's like... Where we just established that that was where he was always going. Right! It's like, why is this dragon also... Like, why is this scene here? What is it doing? What is its purpose? Oh my god. Like, we're um, already so going there. The blue spirit shows up and he sneaks in on like a tractor or something. I don't, I don't know. This is the first machine that we see. Yeah. <laughs> the most, the first thing that we can generously call a machine. Right. Um, but yeah, so um, he sneaks in and what do you think of this costume design? I, I don't know. The, the, the hair definitely makes it more of a disguise than just like a mask and like a skin tight jumpsuit. But I don't know. It looks more like a spirit to me than I, I guess than it might have otherwise. Yeah, but there's just like so much hair. <laughs> it's a good point. Um, it's like very distracting. what do you think about this escape scene? Like, wh- what is your take? I mean, there are parts about it that I, I like. There are parts about it that are like, feel goofy, or that I feel like I'm not, I I don't know how to feel about them. Like, when the first guard kind of sees the other two guards all tied up, like, they're kind of hanging there by their arms, and they look kind of dead, and I'm like, is this supposed to be, like, like, funny, scary, bad? Like, I just truly don't know what my reaction is supposed to be. Right. Similar, like, I don't know if this is supposed to be a funny scene, is, like, uh, Ong goes to, like, the Be the Leaf-style spinning canvases yeah training ground thing you know that we see in Korra a lot yeah um and then it's like using them to like hit the the firebenders yeah but it's like they have fire but we see them firebending but like they could just burn the thing down yeah but like they're barely firebending like that's the problem in this like action fantasy adventure is that a lot of the action is not fantasy. It's just, like, straight-up mm-hmm. action. Like, it would be like if in Harry mm-hmm. Potter they were waving their wands around a bunch, but, like, only every third no time did it catch, cast a spell, yeah. you know? And when it did, yeah. it was, like, a little... You know? <sighs> Whatever. Um, <laughs> in this version, Ong goes back to help the Blue Spirit, who's about to get captured. Yeah. Um, which is different from the show, and I think would actually be... I don't know. I think it, this would have actually been an improvement in the in the show, but um, it's very slight. And then yeah. that's when you know Zuko threatens to kill you know, him. slice off 
his head uh, in order to get out. Mm-hmm. And they all get out. The mask falls off. We see that it's Zuko, who Ang has only interacted with once at this point, and it wasn't even really much of a fight. Right. Uh, so, but then here's the right. here's the interesting thing. He does not say like he doesn't have the little moment where he's like, "We could be friends." I think, um, you know, yeah. and like this is an an important moment where you know this is the only moment where that makes sense, especially in this movie where right. they've not interacted a ton. Uh, but he does say right. that. And it's line. weird that they still have the scene because right. it cuts to the forest the next day. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's just weird because they have that line come in later where it makes no sense. Mm. Yeah, it is a weird place to put that line. Um, <laughs> so when when Zuka goes back to Iro, he's Iro's like, I told them you were on vacation with a girl. Yeah. Oh. Which is such an unnecessary line that I cannot even begin <laughs> to talk to talk about it. So let's move on. Just makes no sense. Yeah. Uh, and then Zuko uh, goes to a take scene, a nap. Yeah. And then the ship explodes. Yeah, he, he naps. Yep. Um, and then, uh, Hiro, after the fact, goes up to Zhao and is, is like, why'd you blow up my son slash nephew? And he's like, do you think that he's the, or, sorry, no, it's, it's, um, Ozai says, you think my son is the blue spirit? Yeah. And there's, like, a long, weird pause. Where Asif Mavi just makes, like, the most strange faces. Like, I, like, his facial acting in this, I truly do not know what emotion he is going for in any given scene. Um, and that's true for a lot of the actors. (laughs) I don't know, man. And then he's just like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, Yeah. I think he's the blue spirit. Cut to <laughs> the Northern Water Tribe. <laughs> they arrived! Woohoo! And then we have. So we've been in like four locations in this whole movie. <laughs> At least Ong and, and Katara and Soka have. They've only yeah. been in like three places, and we just teleport from frozen wasteland to tropical paradise to. You know, uh, northern temple to another the frozen North Pole, land. yeah, yeah. Um, and then it's crazy to me because this last like section of the movie takes up literally half of it. Like, you know, right. Everything else, but not much happens. But so like, we'll be blazing. Yeah, almost nothing happens. It's all just it's like the last three episodes of season one. You know, they get to the northern water tribe. Sokka gets a crush right. on the princess, which we hear about through exposition. They have, like, one awkward scene where she explains why her hair is white so that later when she turns into the moon, we're not like, why the fuck did that happen? Um, And then, then, like, the Fire Nation is like, we're coming, we're gonna attack. Right. There's another exposition scene about killing the moon spirit. I don't know why we need two of these. Zhao tells it to Ozai and then later tells it to Iro. Yeah. It's just, it's so stupid. Though, Iro, uh, Zhao does have a great uh, line as the invasion is beginning, where he's like, don't worry, we won't hold your failure at bossing say against you. Your son died there, right? And Iro is kind of like, yeah. He's like, also, (laughs) so sorry to hear about your nephew burning and dying in that terrible ship fire. And it's like... Oh, so you just, like, definitely set that fire. Like, you could not be more obvious. Well, I mean, in the show, he's also very upfront about it, but Iro is like, he was a traitor, you know, like, kind of pretending to be, you know, against him, because he knows that 
Zuko's still alive. Well, no, he doesn't do that in the, in the show. He's just kind of like, yes, it was a terrible tragedy. And Jao's like, yeah, oh, that's a right. terrible yeah, I'm, tragedy. I'm up with something else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, where, like, they both still know, but, like, they're a little bit more coy about it, whereas here, it's just, like, this, like, you know, it's like if I walked up to you after setting your house on fire going, oh, so sorry to hear that your mom died in that fire. Like, what the (laughs) fuck? Like, why? What are you doing? Uh, like, in the, in, in, in the show, he blames it on pirates, you know? And, like, right. here, he's just like, yeah, crazy ship fire. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, crazy fire. Anyway, they all start um, prepping for war. The snow turns black. Um, I thought that yeah, was done that pretty was well. Least, yeah, at least they included that uh, little visual element. Yeah. Most of the other things that are told visually are just done with exposition. So, yeah. you know, that's how it's got to be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we go to the spirit place because Ong's... Just like I need a secret, the secret to defeat the fire the nation. The dragon it will be in the spirit world. I mean, that is kind of how it goes in the show, though. Like he's like, no, they were looking for to find the identity of the moon and the ocean spirits. Yeah, and it was a very specific goal. But this is much more general. Well, that's true. They were looking specifically for those spirits, but then they were also. Ang was like, maybe the spirits will give me power to unleash crazy spirit juju on them right but it's you're looking for a specific pair of i don't know it's different to me um (laughs) so they go to the spiritual place which is lovingly recreated it looks almost exactly like the show yeah i like Um, also the fact that it is in like this cave area instead of this mm. kind of um you know exposed like crevasse area that that it is in the show um i i don't know i like this this cave setting a little bit more Okay. Um, there's a fight with Zuko after Ang just sort of immediately goes into the spirit world. Which, like, I get fine. It, cut down on time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, the Zuko fight with Katara. trashes Katara. Yeah, it's, it's awful. Uh, and just, like, the bending is bad. Um, you know, yeah. like, it's, it's just not a good fight. Then he... uh, and then we have also the firebenders are starting to attack the, the you know, the... The north. The embankments yeah um and we have them coming up from the ground with little drill hats yeah it's weird so that's the other machines the fire nation their little drill hats ah yeah because they don't like come in on tanks they ride on lizards i do think the lizards are really cool like the lizards climbing the wall like it works for me i'm like this is cool i'm i'm into it but i mean it's it's basically like the rhino lizard yeah without the rhino parts like that's Uh, fine i don't care it's fine as an adaptation yeah but i just it's weird to me that these guys are defined as like the machine guys they fight with machines and we fight with natural spiritual abilities right but no, the firebenders are fighting with spirit magic too, and they're riding on dragons. Mm-hmm. You know, like why? Why is that different? Just because they have bigger boats? Yeah, I. It's the it's again the muddled the messaging of who these bad guys supposedly are. Yeah. Um. So Hung is in the spirit world for the final time, and so this is where we learn what the message of the movie is. I guess. And it's uh, like, it doesn't make any sense. You're not dealing with your responsibility for your family's deaths. You're too angry at yourself. You need to let it go. The Avatar isn't supposed to hurt others. Use the ocean to hurt them. Okay, but here's the thing. 
So it's they're like, like four contradictory messages. Yes. But in addition, you left out the fact that they're like, you're you're not dealing with this, but you need to let that go. And it's like, well, that sounds like not dealing with it. Like, what are you telling me to do? No, I'm not. I, I think that you can say that, like, not letting something go can be not dealing with it and holding on right, to it. Right, but pain. I think you also but have to acknowledge it. it's just weird to be like, you're too it. angry. But also... You're not dealing with your responsibility. Yeah. You need to take responsibility for their death. But you're too angry, and also, don't use that anger to hurt others. Just use the oceans to show them the power of water without hurting them. Because avatars don't hurt people. But they do. <laughs> but they do. Which is always my thing about, you know, Aang being in the avatar state here, is that he kills a ton of people. Right. He, like, sinks a I bunch of ships. This is like a the, the the exposition just is totally incoherent. It doesn't make sense as yeah. a message. It has nothing to do with Ong's arc or why he ran away or yeah. you know taking responsibility for being the Avatar or anything like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just totally irrelevant. Meanwhile, Zuko is monologuing, <laughs> monologuing out a window. <laughs> right. He does that in the cartoon too, but he's saying something interesting. Well, he's saying some of the similar things that he says in the cartoon, but he's not just like staring angstily out a window. Dialogue. And like like that kind of monologuing only works when you give that scene like the space to develop and like, you know, you're trapped yeah. in a blizzard. What else are you gonna do but fucking monologue to a knocked out dude you've captured? Like in this he's right. like I mean in the still, cartoon Zuko's talking about like, you know I'm a I'm survivor. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a I'm a survivor. I'm I'm not I'm not a very lucky person. My dad said out Azula, my sister was, was Born uh, lucky. L- born lucky, but I'm lucky to be born. Yeah. And this is like my father says that I'm like my mother, and he likes my sister more than me. Yeah. I don't... And Aang just leaves. <laughs> then the moon happens. Yeah. Yeah, then Zhao shows up in the the spirit sanctuary, kills the fishy, everything turns red. Uh, and then we see some cool firebending finally, from Iroh, who's... Because that's the other conceit we didn't really talk about uh, in this movie, is that the firebenders need a source of fire to bend from. Um, right. Which is... Unless you're really good at it. Or like, which is just so much more confusing. Yeah, or it's like, well, that's what they say, is like, because, you know, they're like, Sozin's Comet, which will come in three years, which, you know, I get it, you need right. to stretch that adaptational Space time, because yeah. your kids are going to age, and people are going to be like, this didn't take place in a year, what are you doing? Right. Um, but... You know, Sozin's Comet will allow all firebenders to create fire from their chi instead of just, like, the excellent ones. Um, but, right. I, but I feel like it's also supposed to be that, like, the more spiritual a character is, the more easily they're able to, like, bend with their chi. Yeah. Like, that's that's also sure, part of it. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, firebenders are kind of alienated from their spirituality on purpose, and, like, that's why they need sources of fire. But it's just, like, a lame conceit that... Like makes it just is so. I I don't think that it's like that lame. It's just so overly complicated that like okay, what are the firebenders' abilities in the show? Right, they can shoot fire from their hands. That's basically it until book two. Oh uh, no, I wrote this some, version some uh, mouth breathing right or no, that's not until okay, book two. So you're you right. Can shoot you're it right. From your hands, your feet, or possibly your mouth. Yeah, that's it. But that's it. And then in this version, you can, like, heat your blood with chi. 
and you can melt ice. Sometimes move fire and sometimes make fire bigger, but you can't make your own fire unless you're really good at it. Right. Or you have a comet or <laughs> Right, it's just This is so much more complicated in terms of rules. It's really crazy. Um so, you know, they do they do the fight. Uh Aang wakes up and pieces out fight. on Zuko. Um, yeah. After doing like a little Looney Tunes routine, <laughs> yeah. where he does like hiding behind him, but it doesn't work because it's not animated. Right, it's, and it's Looney Tunes. It's so dumb. Or, or you know, it doesn't actually involve him like moving into his blind spots. He just sort of like leans a little bit, you know. Right, Zuko is literally just like not looking over his shoulder. He's just looking back and forth in front of himself. But then, like, he clearly realizes well, Ang is right there. behind him. They fight. Ang escapes. Oh, no, yeah. then Katara shows up and turns Zuko into a popsicle. Right, uh, but first Katara, Katara is just like, calm down, we'll, calm down, Soka, we'll find him, and then suddenly they're both right there, and Soka and Yue were just standing there saying nothing and doing yeah, nothing. Yeah, entirely useless. Um, and then that's when the line happens. Oh, you gotta do the line. We could be friends, you know, as Ankh just walks out of the room. (laughs) Which doesn't make any sense, because he's just trying to capture you. Like, this is... And kill. And kill you. And, like, this is not... Like, this is not the time... It just wasn't built up at all. Right. Like, that's why I'm saying that line only makes sense coming after the one time that they're forced to work together. Where, you know, Ankh could be like, okay, listen... I'm I'm vibing a little bit. Clearly, we both don't like that guy. What if we were yeah. friends? But, you know, no, nope, just while he's a popsicle. And, of course, like, Zuko is just like, ugh, and, and doesn't respond. Because how do you re- respond to that? It, how do you respond? It, it, it's, it's beyond the pale. Um, um, one, one thing that's really challenging, if you want to try it, um, is to try and figure out where Abba and Momo are in any given scene because they're too expensive to include yeah. in just regular shots. Yeah. So they're only going to be there if they need to be there. Yeah. And otherwise they're just off in nether space. Yeah, they they basically don't exist. Um, I think they come back at the end. Are they in any of these fight scenes? Uh, I don't know, kind of. They're sort of... Off in the distance in one okay. shot. Okay, one shot in the distance, real small. Yeah. Um, there yeah. are some really cool fight sequences, and like like this feels like the fight that they spent the most time and budget on. You know, choreographing. Um, yeah. Like it felt choreographed, it felt fluid, it was visually interesting for at least parts of it, if not the whole time. Um, you know, like there's definitely parts where it's like they're just clearly running on like sets upstairs. Um, well, they're all on sets. They're, none of this no, was shot yeah. on location. Oh, I the, know. The, the Southern Water Tribe was shot in Greenland, mm-hmm. um, but this was not. This was just shot on a soundstage, yeah. which is fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm not knocking that. Yeah. Um, it's just like there are certain scenes during the sequence where I'm like, I just like know that this is not a real place in anywhere. You know, like like this just breaks yeah. the illusion. I I just know that this is a set of stairs that someone has designed and it's not like an actual yeah. staircase that someone would choose to build for a battle. Right. Um Zhao kills fish. Yeah, he kills the fish. It's all red. He says he says we are the gods now <laughs> cuz like Eero is telling him to not do it. Right, he's like all like... conflicted but like not and it's like 
Yeah. It just looks like Asif Mambi ate a bad burrito or something and, like, <laughs> needs to get out of there, but also needs to deliver his lines. And it's just, yeah. it's really bad. We are the gods now. <laughs> um, and so then, uh, <laughs> so then immediately afterward, there's, like, no time to mourn or for the fight scene to get more drastic. I guess it gets a little more drastic for, like, a, a couple cutaways, but almost immediately we just cut to UA. Um, who, by the way, uh, played by Seychelles Ga- Gabriel, uh, the voice of Asami oh. from Korra. Dang. There you go. I just thought that was worth noting yeah. at some point. Um, so she stuck around with this franchise even after it uh, did, <laughs> did her dirty. Her well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she just immediately like is like, I sacrificed my life to the spirit. Right, and, and she, she and Sokka have like a really dumb conversation where he's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, it's my responsibility. Bye! <laughs> it's time to show the Fire Nation that we believe in our beliefs More... as much as they believe in theirs. That was my favorite line. I just like literally <laughs> paused the video and laughed. I could not. We believe in our beliefs. Yeah, I hope so. As much so. as they believe in their beliefs. Like, okay, sure. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Ugh. Oh, man. It's so weird. Um, but yeah, so uh, then she dies. The moon Zuko, is returned. Yeah. <laughs> the moon's back. It wasn't ever really gone for that yeah. long. But, you know. It, we also never really talk about how the moon being gone actually affects the waterbenders, really. And like, no, we see like one shot of them not being able right, to walk. Right, but we see but we don't one really see anybody dying. We see it's a kids movie. Right, we see one shot of someone's bending not work, but there's like almost no build up. It's just like we should destroy the spirits because we love to destroy spirits. Well, they, you know, they never really. No, they they say it all the time that like waterbenders get their power from the moon. They say this like five times. Yeah. But they don't specify, like, exactly that it would take away their bending, but then we see it, so, you know. But again, it's only in one scene, so it feels, like, I would not blame a person from coming out of that movie and going, and, like, why did they kill the moon? I don't understand. Um, No, I I agree. I I understand uh, that that can be confusing. Yeah. Um, There's a Zuko-Zhao fight, but Iroh is just, like... No, you're better than this Zuko. Yeah, they don't even have the fight. Like, they, like, trade, like, two kick punches and then peace out. I think it's supposed to be, like, their Agni Kai from, you know, episode three. Well, I mean, they do have uh, the final fight in the show. No, in in the show, it's, like, they have their final fight, but it's interrupted by, like, a spirit eating him. But the spirit hasn't even... needs to save him. Right. But this one, it's the one where Iro is talking him out of it. Okay. You know, and saying, like, you don't need to... Prove yourself. You're You're better better than than this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And then he's like, you stand alone, and that has always been your great mistake. (laughs) And it's weird, because I I, I don't... You know, Asif Manvi has a giant army. Yeah. He's never stood alone until now. Yeah. And Zuko is kind of a loner. He's been alone the whole movie. Right. Like, it's... It's weird. Um, and then we just see a graphic drowning scene, which was apparently yeah. really tough to render, but, uh, but you know, they succeeded in the challenge of showing a man drowning to death on screen right, like they just for have, a kid's movie. They just have four waterbenders just murder him instead of, like, spirit justice. Yeah, it's weird. Well, there's no spirit in this one to do the justice. That's true. 
It's just you all know, goes into the... Well was just to get the advice that he needs to show them the power of water, which yeah. he proceeds to do. I will say, the big wave is kind of cool. I don't hate the big wave. The big wave was cool, and I like the fact that instead of washing everybody away with it, he just kind of holds it there. So everyone's like... We should just go. <laughs> but then they, Tactical retreat. But then they try to leave, but they can't because it's a giant tsunami wall of water. And then he, like, lets it crash Well, some of the, them can't the leave, ships. but the other ones can. And then once he lowers the wave, everybody else, I assume, just runs away or gets captured. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then that's it. That's, that's like, there's wrap-up, I guess. Well, wait, before he um, before he waterbends the wall, doesn't he have another flashback that yes. to repressed emotions yes. that make him cry? This is, this is how he comes to terms. He follows the advice. He has his uh, flashback to being with Monk Gyatso and learning from him, and we see a couple right. of... And then he dances his feelings out, is what it looks like. Because <laughs> uh, it's not like the waterbending moves don't seem to really correspond to lifting the wave. Mm-hmm, it's correct. just like he's doing a lot of Tai Chi, and so it just kind of looks like he's dancing his feelings out. Yeah, and, and this is where, you know, in the last act of this frickin' movie, we see the flashback where he actually runs away, and he's like, I forgive me for that. <laughs> and then he can waterbend. <laughs> Right. No, we don't. I don't think that's even it. I think we don't see him uh, running away until the next set of flashbacks, which happens in like two minutes, because everyone bows to him. No, that happens and after. earlier in the movie. No, that happens. Yeah, this is after the firebenders leave. Right. And and we have an, our final flashback, I guess. No, no, no. Because that, all the waterbenders. That, that flashback happened earlier, and then when he does the final bow at the end, he just like does the weird, like, gesture at them to show that, like, he can accept being the Avatar now. Like, we had that flashback right. when he was getting over things before the water Okay, wall. yeah, you're right, yeah. Sorry. No, but, you're but right. He's... You picked up on the symmetry of the scenes. Right. Like the symmetry, y- you, yeah. You nailed it. Um, and they're very close together, too. Yes. <laughs> so it's a little confusing. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, why is that scene that we're supposed to know is, like, a big deal? Like, if this is the lead-up, if this is the end to your movie, that flashback needs to be in the first act. You know? Like, why right. is it here? I'm guessing that they did have it earlier as well, but they had it twice for Symmetry. And so they probably, somebody in the room said, like, why do we have to show this flashback twice? We're trying to cut down on time. Right. And then it got cut. But it doesn't make any sense now. It, yeah, um, it's wild. Um, and then, so he, but he bows back this yeah. time, and that's so it. that's good. And then we get our coda, our our epilogue, um, where yeah. you know, because we're definitely gonna make another one of these guys. Uh, we have the Fire Lord <laughs> right. telling Azula, you know, basically the speech from the end of season one, where he's like, "Ira's a fool, Zuko's a traitor, uh, or, or right. Zuko's but a failure, also... Iroh's a traitor." And, you know, Zhao is a fool. I need you to right. go capture these people. And then... Right, but also, Sozin's Comet is coming in three years, yes. and it will give all firebenders the ability to be firebenders. Right, right. Um, and so, then we see Azula, and she makes a bunch of really weird facial expressions, and then goes, Yes, father, I will! And then continues to make weird facial expressions, and then credits roll. And that's the movie. Right. Um, another couple of points that I just want to make before we wrap up. Yeah. Um, none of the music is in any way inspired by or related to the music from the show. Nope. It feels like Star Wars music almost. I don't almost. understand that It's choice. just like so Hollywood, you know? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a composer that M. Night has worked with on a lot of his other movies. Sure. 
Um, they have a really great working relationship, but I just don't know why they wouldn't at least try to take inspiration instrumentally yeah. or, in, or, or or even just like taking the melody and sprinkling it in places as an Easter egg. Right, you know, or, just you know, or if you're going for authenticity, why do we have all these like very like Western sounding orchestral pieces? Why are we not using yeah. some of the native instruments and uh, soundscapes from these cultures? You know, like we're changing names, right. we're doing all these other things to quote unquote make it more authentic. Like, why would the music not also be a part of that? Um, yeah, it's it's just lame. Um, the other thing is we kind of left out that there was a weird subplot about how being the Avatar means you're not allowed to raise a family? Yeah, or have family, question mark? It's, or it's, have a family. It's like... It's, like, brought up a couple of times, but there's no through line to it, and, like, it's not what the it's ending is about. It's described as the reason why he ran away. Not because he was afraid of the responsibility of having to save the world, but because... You don't get to have a family if you're the Avatar. Well, I mean, that's sort of what it is in the show, is that, you know, like, he, he felt like he was going to be separated from the only person who he well, no, had he was that also, connection with. He was, he, he was terrified by the responsibility. He's like, I'm only a kid. I don't, you know, I can't do this. I can't fight, you know, in a war. I can't protect the balance of the earth. And also, you can't take me away from my home. You know, I don't right. want to leave my home. You know, it's a lot of... Weird, right, but the war, stuff. the war wasn't this one, really. Just, I want to have a family someday. <laughs> I want to get married and have children. Right. It's like it's like it's like uh, Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, you know, that's why he leaves. It is. Oh, it's so weird. It's so weird. You don't know why they made that choice. Any any other last thoughts or or feelings? Um, well, I don't know. I, I don't know if this is true, but I was looking at the trivia on IMDb, and somebody says that during one of the battle scenes uh, between the Fire Nation and the uh, Water Tribe in the north, that the camera pans, and there's a Fire Nation soldier just fighting with nobody. <laughs> I would believe it. That's what I'm saying um, about the sloppy choreography. You know, it's just... Yeah. I, I mean, look, I, I, I think that the the film is a good cautionary tale. I think it is kind of worth checking out. It's not enter, it's not entertainingly bad. No. It's not, it is bad and not in an entertaining way. Yeah. But I still think that if you're, like, an aspiring filmmaker, it's a good, like, how to not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how to not. Yeah. Um, for a lot of things. For dialogue, for character. For, for editing. For acting, for choreography, for editing. For, for script, <sighs> for basic script writing. For scripting. You know, it's just... I mean, here's the thing. Like, if, if you wanted to make this movie, like, what would you need to include from the show, like, bare bones? Yeah, You so, need, like, the first two episodes. Right, you need the intro. You, but you can cut out, like, the penguin sledding and the hanging out in, like, the Fire Nation ship that's booby-trapped. Right. Um, you need, like maybe about half of the Southern Air Temple stuff, and maybe you can end it with, like, the vision from Roku, uh, you know, when he sees a statue of himself. Right. You know, you can cut out the part of the the, the Winter Solstice thing where mm -hmm. he goes to the Winter Solstice Fire Nation Temple thing. Right. I mean, I think you can have that... I, I think you can honestly cut out, or if not cut out the Haru or the Kyoshi Warrior stuff, have that happen at, like, the Northern uh, Air Temple. Um, well, I think you need something early where he, like, inspires people to fight. So I think sure. you can just do all of Imprisoned. That's only 20 minutes. Yeah. You know? 
but you could just do it verbatim, like word for word. And faster. And then at the end, yeah, you could do it faster by cutting out some of the, the goofy you know, jokes, jokes or and whatever, things, yeah. the sidetracks. You know, maybe once they get on the ship, they immediately come up with the plan to get the coal instead of having one failed plan first. Right. Um, okay, and then, you know, cut or cut directly to the Blue Spirit. Maybe while they're trying to leave the prison... And gets captured. Uh, somebody gets captured, yeah, and so they have to do that. Right. And then Blue Spirit, if you take out the frogs, that's only like 15 minutes. Right. Um... <laughs> and then you just do all of the Siege of the North, which is only 40 minutes. Right. Uh, and then that's, add it all up, that's only two hours. Right, and maybe add so, a couple of scenes in the Fire Nation in there. No, I'm saying, like, this is with the B-plots. Oh, okay, you know? Cause yeah, Because, like yeah, I yeah. said, that, you know... So you have Southern the Agni Temple, Kai. You're only cutting out some of it. Right. Yeah, so you have the Agni Kai, you have, you know... Zuko trying, you have Zuko busting Aang out, right. and you have them fighting, uh, you know, later, and, and then it all works. And you haven't cut out much of anything. Right. You know, you see. And it's still two hours. Yeah. <sighs> but the goal to make it a hundred minutes, I mean, that's just too much. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. This is, yeah, ultimate cautionary tale. I mean, I think um, it's it's also interesting because at, at that point in time, you know, like, Avatar was really long. And, like, people, um, you know, people loved it and l thought it was visually stunning. But they were like, but it was kind of long, you know. And now we live in a world where every blockbuster is at least two hours, if not two and a half hours, you know. Right. So, like... If, if this was made now, they might have had that extra leeway to leave some more things in there that might have... Right. Well, we know that this is going to be made into a Netflix series. Yes. Um, which we'll probably end up recapping once that comes out. Never. It's going to come uh, out. What do you mean? It'll take a long time. Uh, yeah. We might, not be, we might not be around or alive <laughs> at that point. Um, um, I, I hope we are. I hope the world sticks around long enough to give me a, a right. good Avatar live action remake. Right. Well, until then, this will be the last airbender. The last. The last Avatar, the last Korra. We hope you really enjoyed this series. We hope you enjoyed, uh, this little bonus, bonus. episode. Um, and we'll be talking to you guys another time. Yeah, and we'll be posting uh, a poll, I think. Yeah. Or some kind of place where you can comment uh, what you'd like us to recap next, since this is really the last one. Yeah, we're we're so interested to hear what you you would want to see next from us. Um, so yeah, check us out. Um, you can tweet at us at Talking Tropes. Um, we will link uh, the, uh, the the YouTube channel where you can watch the video version of this podcast hey, if you're hey. listening to it. And if you're watching this and you want to listen to the audio version alone, uh, or some of our older ones which don't have video, um, you can check us out. We're uh, syndicated all over the place. We're on uh, Spotify. We're on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Castbox, iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, anywhere that podcasts are sold. Yeah. Just look for Talking Tropes podcast. All right, Flamio, my good hotman. Flamio, indeed.